Done with frizz? Say goodbye to that poof. Repel humidity and tame those flyaways. One drop, frizz stops with John Frieda Frizzy Serum. Your hair talks and frizz never interrupts. John Frieda Frizzy Serum. One drop, frizz stops. Only from John Frieda. Want to make your blonde blonde? Sheer Blonde Go Blonder Collection by John Frieda lightens and brightens hair to full shades to give you your best blonde every day. Your hair talks. Make a statement with Sheer Blonde Go Blonder Collection. Only from John Frieda. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, today we're going to catch up with Jason Jones. Haven't talked to Jason in a while here on Locked On Kings. He covers the Kings on a daily basis, obviously, for the Sacramento Bee. And Jason, the, the NBA has done a good job of making sure the season never ends. The Kings continue to stay in the news. And do you have anything or do you, any sense, any kind of truth or anything about Kyrie Irving and the Sacramento Kings? Are they connected in any way, shape, or form at this point? Only connected by what people are claiming, but I just, you know, this time of year, it's just they're going to throw names out there, and a lot of times these things are thrown out by other people who have other motives and not necessarily what the king's motives or best interest would be. So, I mean, I saw it the other day. I was off work, and I just kind of said, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to break my neck trying to chase down would the Kings give up this a player they, I mean, they wanted badly in De'Aaron to the point they would have tried to trade up to secure getting him. They're just not going to you know, give him away, you know, for a chance at Kyrie. I mean, Kyrie's a great player, but you make that move if you're close and you think this kid will put us over the top and get us into the playoffs or beyond. I mean, to give up De'Aaron and whatever she has to give up to get him, you're basically going to be a bad team with a good player and then – and then Kyrie becomes your new DeMarcus Cousins guy who gets blamed for why the team isn't winning when the fact is you don't have a team good enough to win. So I, I didn't really put a whole lot into it. I just don't think there's much to it. I don't think that the Kings would want to be in a situation where you're trading for a guy who clearly Sacramento would not be one of his top options. And I think for once the Kings have a set plan and – I don't think Kyrie Irving is the type of player where you you more you just give up on that plan just to get him because as much as I like Kyrie, I don't think Kyrie is a franchise changing player in that, on that level. This is not LeBron you're getting or you know Kevin Durant. Yeah, I, I guess uh, I think you you probably answered my next question there in that, but it. it... Would there be any way that the Kings should look at this from their side of things, whether or not the rumor is even remotely true? And like you said, it doesn't look like it is. But should they should they be looking at trying to add someone like Kyrie Irving, maybe in a different formation than De'Aaron Fox or something like that? Oh, yeah, you definitely look at it. I think you'd be irresponsible not to look. I think if, if you're a good front office, you look at everything and listen to everything just because it can't hurt. You know, it just has to be. Has to be. It has to work for you, and not just for the other team. I think the Kings can't get into a situation where they. I mean, their cap situation is still good going forward. They're not tied up for long years with anyone right now. So, for the right player, yeah, if you could get a Kyrie Irving, you definitely get him. But 
you don't mortgage, like I said, you don't mortgage your future to get them and then be in a situation where you're winning 35 games and all you did was just, you know, you swapped out some young players for uh, for Kyrie, but you're winning 35 games a year. I mean, you're still running in place. Yeah. Um, where where do you think this goes? Where does this end? Not for the Kings per se, but I, and this whole thing surprised me last week when Kyrie dropped this bombshell out there. Where do you think this ends? With Kyrie still a Cav, or do you think he's moved by the time the season starts? Uh, I kind of lean toward he's still a Cav because some of these guys who sign big deals can't remember can't get traded until December or January. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a lot of it reminds me of the Kobe Bryant situation from what, about 10 years ago where Kobe had time left on his deal. He couldn't leave. It didn't matter how, how big of a fuss he threw. So, you know, if you're Cleveland, you just don't trade him because he has to be traded. Guys have to be traded all the time. You know, this one is happening to get out. But, you know, guys get frustrated whatever their issue is. I think if you're Cleveland, you look at it and say, we probably can't get our best possible package until December or January. So why throw, why rush to make a move now? I mean, what's, what's Kyrie's alternative to not play? Hmm. I mean, he's going he's gonna to show up for camp. He's going to be there. So... You just kind of, you kind of, you know, you fall, you pump the brakes a little bit. You survey the landscape. What really hurts Cleveland is that now that it's out there and everyone knows he's available, that kind of does diminish your value, maybe what you possibly could have gotten for him now. But there's, to me, there's no rush to make a deal. Kyrie's under contract for at least two more years. So, worst case scenario, you play the season out you're probably back in the finals again next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, just play, you know, worst case, you play it out, get to the finals, and then if LeBron leaves or whatever happens there, you can still move him. You know, you can still make something happen, but there definitely shouldn't be any rush to just dump Kyrie because he's unhappy in July. Yeah. Uh, speaking of July basketball, saw you in Vegas for Summer League. Fans get excited about what they see out there. Kings had all their... Uh, young guys out there. I, I kind of thought it was a mixed bag, and plus, at summer league, it's really hard to make a full evaluation. But what were your takeaways from what you saw from the the Kings group in Vegas? I mean, I saw some good things, but I also saw some things that kind of reminded the team was going to be young and have its ups and downs. I mean, you know, De'Aaron had his moments where he looked really good, but there were also sometimes he said, "Yeah, he's a, you know, he's nineteen, twenty years, you know, he's played a year of college basketball." I mean, for the most part, to me, Frank Mason looks really solid the whole time, you know, kind of the steady. And I think he's a guy that, even as a rookie, there will be times where Frank will play ahead of De'Aaron just because, you know, four years of college, a mature player, he's seen a lot more. He could just be a lot more, you know, a lot steadier out there. You know, and, and you know, if you look at the, uh, the, the uh, second-year guys, Papianis obviously had ups and downs. Scal, like they were experimenting with him, trying to think of him on the post. You know, Buddy had his, you know, his good game, and then Buddy didn't play anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Malachi, I, that was obviously disappointing because you look at Malachi, he has never played in a game situation, even a similar situation, under the current Kings setup of how they want to play. His last game of the regular season was when DeMar- you know, was DeMarcus' last game as a king. Right. So, you look, you look at that, he never played in play those last 25 games, kind of get a feel for how the style changed. He basically plays half of a summer league game 
and even a situation where the Kings are now, you know, remember a couple of years ago, the Kings couldn't find a two guard. Now they've got more than they can handle. Mm-hmm. So Malachi's in a situation where he's got to figure out where he fits in. Maybe that means he plays more three, you know, but it's going to be, he's got, he's got some work to do to kind of work his way up. But the guy, a guy like, I, I really like Justin Jackson yeah. summer from, you know, start to finish. I thought, I thought he might have been the most consistent player top to bottom. He, you can see the smart, you know, he knows where to be on the floor. I like the fact that he can score without having a play call for him. He knows how to find his spots to get the ball. I think for too long, the Kings had too many players who were, to me, no no fault of their own, but they were they, they were one-on-one players by their style of play. And maybe fans or media criticize those guys for being that. I would come from the belief of you don't criticize a guy for being who he is. You know, the issue is, what do you do to maximize that? And I think for too long, the Kings had so many guys who were similar. You had to play a certain style of offense because you couldn't really diversify it. But now with a guy like Justin, you can drop him in with a different lineup. He'll cut to the basket. He'll spot up and shoot. You can do different things with him. So to me, if, if there's a guy who, to me, I know De'Aaron got a lot of praise, but to me, the guy who stood out the most that he played every game as well was Justin Jackson. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're still a few months from this decision for Coach Yeager, who seems to be, his track record, prefer veterans over young guys, which is pretty common among NBA coaches. Not a lot of old guys on the team. I mean, they, they had Costa and they have Temple and then the three additions of Carter, Randolph, and Hill. But like you said, Jason, mainly a roster of first, second, and, and a third-year guy in there. How do you think Coach Yeager kind of delegates those minutes? Is it just a mix and match of, of veterans and young guys, more veterans, more young guys? How, how do you think he's going to kind of let those minutes play out? Uh, it's going to be tricky just because even if he wanted to not play the young guys, there's really no way around it. Right. <laughs> you know, you can't, you know, you, you know, there's no way around it. So it's, I think you don't have to mix and match. I don't think you want to go through a season where stretches where you're playing all five young guys. And then, you know, and the game can get away from you because one of the reasons they went out and got a guy like George Hill was because the front office realizes that for all this talk of new culture, new attitude, new locker room, no one's going to care if, you you know, you win 20 games. No. <laughs> so you had to get some guys who gave you a chance to win. And now they have guys who give them a chance to win. And I think it's going to get really get interesting is, you know, in the fourth quarter, you know, Say it's you know you enter the fourth quarter down by eight or nine. Do you do you go with your older guys to get back in the game? Do you set your rotation up where the young guys start that part of the, you know, the quarter? And maybe you instead of being down eight, you're now down fifteen, and now you can't get back in the game. So I think to see some mixing and matching, yeah, I would I would kind of think you might see some dual point guard looks. But the Kings have so many two guards, it's going to be hard to even juggle that where you say play DeAndre, not DeAndre, De'Aaron, and George Hill together. Mm-hmm. But then you've got Bogdanovich, you've got Buddy Hill, you've got Malachi, you've got Garrett Temple, you've got, you've got all these guys in one spot. So you got to be able, you know, it's, it's going to be tough to manage, I think, at times because you don't want to not play the young guys when they need to play. But on the other hand, I know the coaching staff isn't just going to give these young guys minutes with them get their heads beat in every night. Right. You know, you can't. That's that's really not productive. I mean, for all the talk of how great the Sixers are going to be, which is and sometimes it's comical to me at times. But 
They won 28 games last season. It wasn't like they were on the cusp of the playoffs. Right. And even if MB plays the whole season, they probably don't win that many more games. And those guys have basically got to special, you know, specialize in getting their heads beat in for two-plus years. So you don't want to put your young guys through that because then it becomes the losing is just part of the way it is and we have to lose in order to get better. And I don't think – I mean, after, what, 11 years of losing season, at some point you got to try to win games. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to follow up on that. When the Kings elected to trade DeMarcus in February, Vlade was comfortable with the situation that they may go backwards before going forwards. It seemed like there's, you know, like you said, building with young guys, they're, they're trying to build it technically the right way. All the messages are being sent in the correct way, but how will management and ownership be if it is that, you know, low 20 win season and, and not a lot of highlights? you think... Everybody will stay on that same page that they're still building it the right way. They've got no choice. They better stay on that page. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at some point, you've been, that, that's kind of been their problem the last few years. It's been that half, you know, half go young, half win now mentality. I mean, it's you know, some of you say, I don't know what you know. There's times I would look at them and say, I don't know what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you like last year, you bring in three rookies. And then you go out and get Anthony Tyler, all these vets. So now you have you basically you know they entered last season with two teams, a veteran team, and then they had half the Reno Bighorn. Right. So yeah. you know, and you, you know, if, if you're going to stick with these young guys, I think you've got to you've got to commit to them beyond. You know, you got to understand, it's going to take some lumps. You're going to lose. You're going to lose a lot probably, but you got to stick with it. You got to trust that these you know the vets can help these guys get through it, and then going into the next season, looking to see, a ne- you know, another level of growth from these young guys. You can't just say, okay, we had a bad year, let's scrap it. I mean, you do that, we're back to the same old stuff where, okay, it didn't work, let's change it up all over again, change it up all over again, and then you've got a, a coach in Jaeger going into the third year of his deal. You know, obviously, he would probably love his option to be picked up for year four before it gets to that point, but who wants, you know, young guys get coaches fired mm-hmm. because no matter, no, no matter how you want to slice it about, we were rebuilding at the end of the day, if Dave Yeager wins 30 games every year and gets fired, there's not going to be a thing. Well, they're not going to say, well, we know you had young guys, but you're getting fired. Right. So they've, you know, they've got to just kind of stick with this. I think it would be a great idea if they just, you know, before you got to the end of this coming season, go ahead and tell Dave we're picking up your option so that everyone knows from players to this manager, everyone knows they're sticking with the plan and you're not sending him out there in year three of a, you know, as a lame duck and everyone's wondering what's going on. I think they need to do all they can to show that they have some stability. And so if you win 27 games this coming season, you win your 27 games. And you work to get better. There's no protections on your pick. So, I mean, you have no incentive to lose. Go out there and try to win as many as you can. Yeah, good point. Uh, Jason, as far as the guys that are have moved on, got deals in this summer that are no longer Kings, if we're talking about uh, Tolliver, Galloway, Tyreek Evans, let's see, McLemore, Omri, Darren Collison, guys like that, any of those moves surprise you on, on the deals those guys got? I, I hadn't really asked you about the guys that have left, but anything jumped out at you at, at guys that are now lo- no longer Kings? I was more surprised the Kings didn't make more of an effort to keep Darren. 
I thought that would they, that would that would be a route they would go. I was surprised by that. But then when they drafted two point guards, you kind of think, well, maybe you know they're fine with him moving on because Darren probably could have they could have, they could have resigned Darren for much less than they got they signed George for. But there was kind of that thing where they said, well, you know, Darren's going to want to play. You know, is he going to be really comfortable with this whole mentoring idea? And so I think I, I, I got it. And also the fact that, you know, a lot of people don't want to believe it, but being a king the last few years mentally wears guys out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those guys who were gone, you know, almost definitely needed a, you know, a break. You know, right now, I think the only guy you have left has been around, you know, really the probably the two longest tenure guys right now, what, Willie and Costa? Right, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that yeah that's you know you think about that they don't have you know I know the last couple of years have been fun for Costa but it's not like a guy like Darren who has been through the Malone and George and you know cool, you know all that so I think he was probably the one I thought they would make a move for but you draft two guys and if you're really trying to sometimes people when people talk about changing the culture. I think that they think that means getting rid of a guy because he's bad. Hmm. Sometimes it's just because guys need a fresh start. And I think Darren's going to benefit well from that. I think I, I'm looking forward to see how Ben does in a new environment because I just think I thought for over two years Ben needed to get out of Sacramento. I just thought it was a bad situation for him. You know, he was a – all the change was not good for him. Ben's a real kind of quiet kid. He's not going to say a lot. But it was rough for him the last couple of years, you know, you know, you're a high draft pick and you're watching Marco Bellinelli have the worst season of his career and you can't get on the court. Right. So, I mean, there is just a lot of just mental drain on some of those guys. But, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how all those guys do. I think, you know, Omri has a chance to get a, get a ring now. You know, sure. he ended up in a situation I think was perfect for him because I know from having heard Alvin Gentry talk about it, he, they, they've thought for a while he would really flourish in that system. We saw the year he had with George in a similar type of open play. But I think Omri's got a chance to really bounce back. If he can stay healthy, you know, he might be the next guy I'm writing about former King wins the championship. Hmm. Yeah, fans always love hearing that. How about uh, former King's front <laughs> office guy, Scott Perry, getting a new job in New York? Good for him. But uh, last thing for you on him – any chance the Kings look to replace him in the short term, or most of their work I know has been done for this upcoming season? How do you think they'll approach that? They're definitely going to look at some guys to see can you you know bring somebody in to help with that because what you don't want to get into is a you know Scott played a big role in kind of mending some of those relationships with agents and kind of the middle people to get guys in for workouts and talk to free agents. Because you know, a lot of those, a lot of people around the league had just kind of written the Kings off to the point to where if you had a guy in a draft, you'd rather have your guy go lower to end up in Sacramento. So yeah, I think they would really just benefit from having a better, another veteran voice high up in the front office to work with Vlade through a lot of just the, the nuances of the, of the job. And for a couple of years, it was tough for them to find someone like Scott because a lot of the guys they talked to, quite honestly felt like, why would I come in in that gig when I'm more qualified than my boss? Mm-hmm. Like, why would I come in and be the number two when I really should be running the show? So it's going to take someone who doesn't mind coming in and being the number two, you know, so to speak, and working with Vlade and that, you know, and then going from there to continue to build this thing because 
to me, every good front office has that diversity in voices. It's not just one guy or two guys. You got to have dissenting points of views, you know, different ways to look at things, which is why I like seeing Bobby Jackson around. But I think we all know Bobby has no problem biting the stuff. Right. He's not going to keep quiet. <laughs> Bobby's going to say what's on his mind. But you need to have guys like that around. And I think that they definitely do plan to look to add someone. You know, as you said, the, the work is pretty much done for now, but I think it would be prudent for them to get someone in if they can before the season, you know, before that December 15th area when guys can start getting traded again. Because you want to be able to, you know, say you get a sweetheart of a deal, you want to be able to act pounce on that quickly, you know. And I know King fans don't want to see another – Philadelphia type trade where we're saying at the time the trade is made, oh my God, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And then you see that trade ends up helping Philly get the number one pick. Yeah. Cost you know, so, I mean, I don't think, I, you don't want to go through any of those. I think, you know, they're going to, no, I think Vlade said he's going to take his time, but he's going to try to find someone. And I mean, you know, there's guys out there like I've heard, you know, a guy like Milton Newton who was GM in Minnesota before Thibodeau got there. You know, he was there for for drafting of guys like, you know, Wiggins and things like that. So, or actually the trade, they brought Wiggins there. Right. You know, but, you know, you need, you need someone, you know, I think you need someone else there just to kind of solidify things. You know, you've got Catanella in place who's a, you know, that helps with their, all their issues with, you know, with the CBA and the cap. You know, Brock is a veteran. You know, he's, he's over there college scouting. He's, you know, he's a vet. He knows what he's doing. So, to me, just getting one more guy in there who has that experience high up in the front office would just be a this would, it would just be a good thing to have so that you're not getting to the trade deadline and then everyone's going okay. What are they going to do this year? Right. Well, always drama, no matter what, no matter what time of the year it is. There certainly is stuff to talk about with the Kings, Jason. It's great catching <laughs> up with you again. Uh, try to enjoy your off season the little bit that you do have, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Oh, definitely. Anytime. Thanks again. That is Jason Jones from the Sacramento Bee. Haven't had Jason on in a while. Love to catch up with him, get his perspective on all things about the Sacramento Kings. Again, another person kind of squashing the Kyrie and Kings rumor. Uh, I'll say it like I said yesterday on the podcast for the Monday podcast with James Ham. I don't really believe there's much there, but I think the Kings should look to see if there's anything there. I'm not a big fan of getting rid of De'Aaron Fox, but could there be something else that could lure Kyrie Irving. I doubt it, but I think, like Jason said, it'd be irresponsible for you not to. You got to do your due diligence, check into that, and uh, see if there's anything in there. If not, no big deal. No no uh, damage done, and you just move on with the plan that you have, which is an absolutely good one, in my opinion. Build with the young guys. Hope a couple of them hit. Make sure the veterans keep things stable. Have a good coach in front office, and just build, 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 build. And that's the plan right now for the Sacramento Kings. So thank you again to Jason Jones from the Sacramento for joining us. Uh, we thank you for listening as well, whether it's on iTunes, subscribe there. Everything is uh, free out there, so leave us ratings and reviews if you could. Audio Boom, Stitcher, and Google Play, all the different spaces that you can find us. So thanks again for listening. Back again tomorrow with another edition of Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, Every day.